0: New year, same pandemic, new variant. Just trying to have a good vibe. i vaccinated. Omicron cases surging. So I have to be vigilant. Tons of testing. Right, and I knew here there was going to be tons of them, so... I've been up since 5.30 this morning. Cruise concerns. You don't wanna see CDC uh, saying not to cruise. And changes for South Florida students.
1: We are strongly encouraging students to wear masks at all times.
0: Plus, we reflect on the year that was and look forward to 2022. It's all live this week in South Florida. Good morning and happy new year. I'm Michael Putney. Glenna has the morning off. It is 2022, but in so many ways, it feels like nothing has changed from 2021, except now it is Omicron that is raging through Florida. Nearly 300,000 cases just this week. The state's positivity rate is sky high above 26 percent. Doctors tell us Omicron is milder but that is a relative term. Many people who get it say they feel awful, very sick, but they are not going to hospitals in the same numbers as last summer's Delta wave. They are going, however, to get tested. Tens of thousands of people in South Florida have lined up for COVID tests. Those sites have pretty much been overwhelmed. HOME TESTING KITS ARE IN HIGH DEMAND. SO LET'S GET OUT TO A TESTING SITE THAT OPENED THIS MORNING IN BROWARD COUNTY IN MARGATE. LOCAL 10 NEWS REPORTER TRENT KELLY IS THERE. TRENT, WHERE ARE YOU AND HOW BUSY ARE THINGS THERE?
1: Well, Michael, we are here on the corner of Margate Boulevard and 441. This brand new testing site here opening up for the first time today right at 9 a.m. So only about two hours in and already you can see the line of drivers here stretching back for more than a block. This just one of four new sites to be uh, coming online in Broward County over the next few days as the demand for testing throughout South Florida continues to soar drivers lining up in Margate at one of several new COVID testing sites to open up across Broward County this week. In addition to this new site at the Margate Community Redevelopment Agency, officials will also be launching three other sites later in the week, including ones in Lauder Hill, Tamarack, and Miramar. The push to expand COVID testing, coming after the state reported nearly 57,000 new infections on Saturday, down from the record 75,000 cases recorded days earlier. The sudden spike causing several locations in both Broward and Miami Dade counties to hand out free at home test kits. With the Omicron variant fueling these latest outbreaks, the CDC is also warning travelers to now avoid cruising regardless of whether they're vaccinated.
0: They can't take away your rights
1: to worship. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, meantime, not saying much since the recent case spike. Despite speaking at a Miami Baptist church on Friday, he provided no comment about the the state's rising COVID case count. And back here in Margate, this new testing site will be open until 5 p.m. Seven days a week for more information on those other new sites or to find the testing site closest to you. All you have to do is head to our website. That's local10.com. Reporting for this week in South Florida, I'm Trent Kelly, Local 10 News.
0: Trent, thanks very much. All right, now we want to get a status report on Omicron from a medical expert who can tell us what we can do to avoid it and what to do if we get it. We are joined by Dr. Gideon Nayar, an associate professor at the University of Miami Medical School and a specialist in autoimmune chronic diseases. Dr. G, good morning. Great to see you. How are you?
2: Good morning, doing well. Happy New Year, Michael.
0: Thanks for having me on. Well, we're delighted you are here. Well, we just heard Trent Kelly there at a site. We know tens of thousands of people are going to these test sites and then others are getting these home testing kits. And a lot of these people, 26% are testing positive. And I suspect, I don't know that they're freaking out, but they're certainly anxious. How anxious should they be?
2: Well, here's the reality, this is not the time to freak out. It is time for us to all get a grip and realize that this virus is here to stay. If you're thinking about your new year's resolution, that one of the things that should be top of your list is having a relationship with the doctor that you can ask questions to. This will help reduce panic and help you stay really, really informed and not get lost in the shuffle.
0: Yeah. Uh, We have seen and perhaps in interviews with you and other uh, expert physicians this week, you know, that the uh, Omicron variant is milder, but that really it's a a relative term. I mean, we know that Delta went down into people's lungs and made them extremely ill, killed over 800,000 people in this country. Uh, What is different about Omicron?
2: So the thing that's most most different about this is number one, it is more it is more contagious. It's spreading very quickly because of the mutations that we have found in Omicron. It is really spreading very quickly, 70% more contagious than the Delta variant. So what this means to you is that you've got to remember that this is a marathon. This is a sprint. It is not going away anytime soon. That is why vaccinating, boosting, wearing masks, socially distancing, if you are indoors, ventilating the area that you're in are really key and foremost as you think about going anywhere including going back to school this january
0: yeah good advice well i know that you dr g have rules to live by dr g's rules to live by and the first one says just avoid anybody who is unvaccinated but how do you know if they're vaccinated or not
2: so you don't, right? So so the number one thing you have to do, Michael, is number one, assess the medical risk of your own household. Understanding who in your family is most risk, most at risk, most vulnerable, whether that's an elderly individual, someone who's immunocompromised, a young child who's unvaccinated. That's really the number one thing that you have to keep in mind when you're making decisions whether to go somewhere or not. Just like we all have different financial health, we all have different medical health. Number two is you are going somewhere public. You have to assume, and that could be the grocery store, that could be uh, your local CVS, or local Target. You have to assume at this point with community spread the way it is, that the person next to you is not vaccinated and has Omicron. So you need to adjust your behaviors accordingly, which means wearing the correct fitting mask and N95 ideally, keeping your distance, washing your hands and getting in and getting out. Look, exposure risk is cumulative. The more time you you spend in a public setting with individuals who could have this virus or who are not vaccinated, it increases your risk for yourself. And again, keeping in mind who you're coming home to is really going to be very important as you think about the risk benefit of partaking in certain activities.
0: Yeah, Uh, Dr. G, we have just come through the Christmas holiday season. Families got together. There have been big parties. And Friday night in the Orange Bowl, more than 50,000 people were there close together for the Orange Bowl game. And you look at these things like that football game and you say, is this a super spreader event? Because then we later learned that the University of Georgia marching band that was playing there, that 60 of their members then tested positive for COVID. So does it make sense to even take part in events like that?
2: So again, we have to get, we have to get grips that this virus isn't going away. We have to start living with it, which means using the tools at our disposal. And remember, testing helps us prevent spread because we know our status in a moment of time, just like a picture as opposed to a movie, but being vaccinated and boosted prevents severe illness and hospitalization. So the number one thing you and your family need to do is to get vaccinated, get boosted, wear your mask, Get tested so you know who to mix with and who not to mix with. But this is the new future, uh, Michael. And what we have to remember the silver lining here is we have made progress. We have saved millions of lives with vaccinations and boosters. We've got to double down, move forward and continue to live our life and taking as much risk out of it as we can.
0: Yeah, Uh, Dr G, we know that a lot of people uh, who are testing positive uh, are not seriously ill but they may want to go to an emergency room now you i mean you're a physician uh what would be your advice to somebody who feels who's positive but is basically asymptomatic they should not go to an emergency room
2: so this is why it's so important to have a physician a medical professional that you trust that you can call even if that's on a virtual visit telemedicine is now available Uh, more generally but making sure you have a doctor you can talk talk to before going to the emergency room the emergency room is for emergencies if you're having difficulty breathing you are bleeding you've had a fracture this is where you go to the emergency room but right now our hospital capacity is, is of concern we're concerned as we see cases going up and so that's why having a doctor making that decision with them staying in the home taking advantage of tools and medications that we can use in the home to get through the hump when you have a less severe case, which we're finding is the majority of cases.
0: One of your rules to live by says avoid planes, trains and cruise ships, as you obviously are aware. The CDC late this week uh, advised the Americans, people everywhere, in fact, not to go on a cruise, even if you are fully vaccinated. Do you agree with that?
2: So I do agree with that. The issue with cruises is that they're very close quarters. And again, if you are in the public, you are surrounded by individuals that you don't know their vaccination status, you have to assume they have Omicron, it is difficult to wear masks the entire time on a cruise. Close quarters make it difficult to socially distance. And you and I both know there's a lot of eating and drinking on cruises. So masks come off and then you essentially are in a closed tight environment and individuals are really stuck on the the boat with regards to general transportation and travel again it comes back to that assessment of the medical risk in your household and really the airport the airport is a place that is more dangerous than even the plane and that's why you have to remember if you are standing next to someone and you don't know them you must assume that they are carrying the virus and they have not been vaccinated which means your mask should not come off and you need to keep your distance and that just becomes hard depending how long your journey is You also have to eat and drink. So being mindful of that, if you are traveling, trying to do that before or after you enter the airport is going to be ideal. But really making sure that mask is on tight and ensuring that you're doing everything you can to prevent this. Because if your mask comes off with with the R-naught on this virus, it is incredibly contagious and you have to assume that you're at risk.
0: Yeah. Dr. Gita Nayar, great advice. Thank you very much and be well yourself. Thank you. All right, up next, there have been some policy changes in South Florida schools in reaction to the spike in Omicron. We're going to have a report and a discussion with two school board members after the break. late this week the public school boards in miami-dade and broward adopted new masking policies as you know the governor and the state legislature enacted laws that ban mandatory masking of students the two school districts defied that ban for a few weeks in the fall but then they backed off when the delta wave subsided then here came the highly contagious Omicron wave and school district acted. Local 10 news reporter Leanne Morahan is out there and has this latest report on schools and masks.
3: In just a few hours South Florida, students will head back to the classroom after that long winter break. Last week, Miami Dade and Broward County public schools announced that adults in their districts will have to mask up on campus, but students would only have to wear a mask optionally. That is because Florida state law basically prohibits them from instituting mask mandates for students, not the case at private schools. At the Archdiocese of Miami schools, they've decided that starting Monday kids and adults would have to mask up the Archdiocese of Miami making a major announcement about their school masking rules requiring all students and staff members over the age of two to wear masks regardless of vaccination status or parental waiver. The Archdiocese cites a substantial increase in positive COVID-19 cases per 100,000 persons in the Tri-County area over the last four weeks as the reasoning behind the change. Option A passes as amended. This comes one day after school officials in Broward voted to require all vendors and visitors to wear a mask while indoors at any district school or facility, but stops short of requiring employees and students to wear one. Recently passed state law keeps public school districts from mandating that students wear a mask. The governor pushed the legislature to enact a law that basically removed all our constitutional ability to oversee The safety of our students and staff. Miami Dade's public school officials face the same challenges, announcing masks would only be required of adults and remain optional for students. On Thursday, Miami Dade Superintendent Alberto Carvalho said the legislation that bans mask mandates falls short of the advice of medical experts. The superintendent hinted at possible legal action that may challenge those laws.
4: Let's begin with the Constitution of the state of Florida and let's explore what that really means, regardless of the recently adopted legislation.
3: So the Archdiocese of Miami mask mandate will be instituted on January 3rd and will last at least until the 21st. During that time, officials say that they will look at the trends with regards to COVID cases and decide whether or not to continue the mask mandate beyond that point. For now, reporting in Miami Shores, Leanne Morejon, Local 10 News.
0: Leon, thank you. Now we want to dig deeper into the situation at uh, public schools in South Florida with Dr. Steve Gallon. He is the vice chair of the Miami-Dade School Board and Lori Rich Levinson, who is the chair of the Broward County School Board. To both of you, good morning. Great to see you.
5: Good morning, Michael. Glad
0: to morning, be here. Uh, thank you, Lori. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Steve Gallon, let me begin with you. On Thursday, the superintendent of schools Alberto Carvalho announced that uh, starting tomorrow that all adults who are any on any campus in uh, the Miami-Dade Public Schools uh, must wear a mask. And that includes teachers, administrators, cafeteria workers, custodial staff, visitors, vendors, uh, but not students. So are your hands tied? Should students be wearing masks as well?
5: uh absolutely uh michael you know our board showed tremendous leadership in august when i uh proffered an item that was uh, successfully passed uh to require mass uh pursuant to the local conditions uh we utilize science as the benchmark for our decision making and the science right now indicates that mass would be required at a 25 percent positivity rate however we were able to uh, mitigate many of the spread in our community in our district and amongst our schools uh, we had a community solution, but it was mitigated and impeded through a legislative action through the special session. So yeah. right now, we are uh, restricted by law from enacting uh, the mass mandates. Uh, unfortunately, we found that they work. They work for the Miami-Dade County Public Schools and they work tremendously for our entire community.
0: Yeah, uh, Laurie Rich Levinson, uh, your board met on Friday. Emergency meeting voted 5 to 3 to adopt a somewhat different policy. You say that all visitors, vendors to Broward County Public Schools, they must be masked, but okay. teachers don't have to be masked. Now that frankly was not your position, was it? You believe that teachers should be uh, required to mask as well?
6: Uh, yes, that wasn't my personal position, but Um, As the chairwoman of Broward County, I'd like to speak on behalf of the board first and say that there were indeed varying opinions and we did hold a meeting because our superintendent through policy did not have the authority to make this decision. So we had this emergency school board meeting to possibly put that into policy where the superintendent would be able to do that in the future. Um, As I said, there were varying opinions and I believe that all the school board members were trying to do what they believe was in the best interest of our students. We had several who believed that because students were not permitted to wear masks through the HB1B law that was just spoken about, um, that adults should be given that same option. The Broward Teachers Union president came and spoke to that effect too that it should be optional for the adults and we well, also well, had a couple if i can of
0: if, uh, laura excuse me if i can jump yes. in there i saw in reports in the sun sentinel and the miami herald that anna fusco the president of the broward teachers union said that requiring teachers to wear a mask would be quote an insult uh, because they already wear masks is that true do most of the teachers in broward already wear masks
6: I would say yes, most of the teachers do, but as the transmission rates were lower, we had teachers who were not. And to me, you had asked my opinion on this because the transmission rates are so high. We just heard from a medical expert on your show and all the medical experts that we listen to that the more people that are wearing masks, Um, the less transmission there will be of the virus, especially when it's over 25%.
0: Right, Steve Gallen. you mentioned a minute ago that uh, uh, with the positivity rate now at 26% in South Florida, that this might in fact uh, invoke the CDC guidelines. uh, And yet the state legislature and the governor say you may not require students to wear masks so uh, will you sue the state will you go into court and say hey you know we have a constitutional right and authority to take this step
5: um there's been some discussion relative to uh taking action against the state but i want to say for the record michael the board has not taken that position at this particular time When the board made an affirmative decision to file legal action against the state, we did it in a very exhaustive manner. And obviously those actions were rendered moot with the passage of HB 1B. So we had actually taken previous uh, actions against the uh, executive, against the emergency order for the Department of Health. And we were allowing that legal uh, pathway to run its course. But the law obviously trumped that. It made our legal action at that time move. But at this particular time, despite some of the rhetoric that has been stated, the board has not made an affirmative decision as relates to any legal action so right now we are committed to complying with the letter of the law and we're hoping and praying and encouraging our community stakeholders and our parents and our families to do what they've done time and time again listen michael we have an 80 percent vaccination rate here in miami dade county that said that our community understands their role and their responsibility in terms of uh curbing the spread. We hope that that translates into our parents making sound decisions for their children. I'm a parent. I have a child at the Miami-Dade County Public Schools. My child will be wearing a mask. Her mother and I made that decision. Right. And we are going to take uh, our roles and our responsibilities very seriously. And yeah. unfortunately, as my colleague in Broward indicated, the legislature has obviously created a legal uh, impediment for us to do what we believe we should do at the local level. And we have to at this particular time uh, follow the law, but as we continue to look at some of the challenges that we face, uh, communicate with the state, and hopefully that uh, brighter minds will prevail and we'll have some pivot to provide some greater flexibility based on local conditions. And Michael, what we did in Miami-Dade County Public Schools, we granted the superintendent the authorization to establish those protocols. As we started to prepare for this week, uh, it was somewhat silent. I sent a communication to the superintendent on last Tuesday, December 28th, uh, with a 12-point request to identify what are our plans going to be for the return. As you see uh subsequent to that on thursday we have protocols announced so our board is very engaged but right. we look forward to uh, yeah. the implementation but right now we have to implement pursuant to the law
0: yeah uh, lori rich levinson uh we all know you certainly know that for a couple of weeks Uh, The CDC has said that children 12 and older could get vaccinated. And then just this week, they said children five and older can be vaccinated. Uh, Among the couple hundred thousand students in Broward County, do you have an idea about how many of your students are, in fact, vaccinated?
6: I don't know the percentage at this time, Michael, but I know that we are encouraging um, vaccinations for our students we know that that is uh, the primary way that we're going to be able to mitigate uh, the coronavirus, and we are encouraging and the and the Department of Health is going out to our schools for our students to receive
5: those vaccinations.
0: Yeah, all right. Well,
6: with
5: every- with parent consent, of course. Yeah, right. And, 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 and Michael, if I may, that that is a significant concern. Uh, that I'm sure my colleagues in Broward County have, and we have as well, vaccinations do work, but right in Miami-Dade County, we have only about 5%, uh, I'm sorry, 9% of our students ages 5 through 11 vaccinated and those are very vulnerable groups in elementary schools. Uh, They're very difficult in terms of retaining their masks. And that is an area in which uh, they're very asymptomatic and they can perpetuate the spread and not being vaccinated. So approximately 90% of our students ages five through 11 in Miami-Dade are not vaccinated.
0: Okay, well, everybody hold your places. Uh, We're gonna take a break and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back. We are in the midst of a good discussion about schools and masking and mitigation policies with uh, Dr. Steve Gellman, vice chair of the Miami Dade School Board, and with Laurie Rich Levinson, chair of the Broward County School Board. Lori, uh, I see that in a couple of cities, maybe Atlanta is one I think that have been very hard hit by Omicron. They are going to offer an alternative of going back to virtual learning. Is that even on the board here for, for you at Broward County?
6: That's not an option through the state under the uh, emergency order last year. The governor uh, permitted uh, virtual education, which was what happened at the very beginning of last school year. We voted to go back uh, fully in person um, or hybrid in October, where we did have virtual as well. Um, for part of the year. This year, that's not a possibility. We do have our Broward Virtual School that students may sign up for if they are interested in having a yeah. fully virtual. And my opinion is, Michael, that keeping our students in school, in person learning yeah. is critical at this time for their educational growth and their emotional well being.
0: Yeah, and Steve yeah. Yellen, I know you would agree with that the the loss of learning from March 2020 until this fall for most children in uh in public schools and archdiocese schools any schools has just been almost immeasurable I mean some the teachers have been heroic but there's nothing like learning in a classroom face to face with the teacher is there
5: Absolutely. Uh, the learning losses of our students here at the local, state, and quite frankly, national level uh, have been catastrophic. Uh, our teachers have been Herculean. Our parents, actually, Michael, have also been Herculean. You know that uh, virtual instruction required a significant amount of parental involvement, and we're very, very grateful and, 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 and supportive of those efforts. Uh, however, we do not have the flexibility that Lori mentioned from the state as it relates to funding for a full virtual model. However, the Miami-Dade County Public Schools will continue to offer its instructional continuity plan. So where students have been identified as testing positive, where parents are making sound decisions to keep their children home, to keep them safe, and to provide for safety measures for other students, Our instructional continuity plan will be in place for virtual learning for those students for a brief period of time. So we're talking five to 10 days if needed. So that plan is still in place for online learning under those circumstances. All right.
6: And Michael, I'd just like to add that Broward actually does the exact same thing. When you are home, you are able to join in virtually to your
0: instruction. Yeah. For your instruction. All right, well, I want to thank both Laurie Rich Levinson and Steve Gallon. Thank you so much. School begins tomorrow. Good luck and let's hope that uh, it's a healthy and productive experience for all the school kids hey, my, my, in South Florida.
5: Michael, can I just make one quick announcement that we uh, want to share with our public? We're going to be giving out uh, testing kits to our teachers wow. starting today, so we want our teachers to know their status. Uh, we're going to be giving out testing kits at Miami Lakes Educational Center, North Miami Senior High School, Miami Senior High School, Northwestern Senior High School, Killian Senior High School, and South Miami Senior High School. So our educators, our employees have an opportunity to know their status today so they can report to those particular sites and consult their administration so that they'll know their status before reporting to work tomorrow. Excellent. Good idea, Thanks, Steve. Michael?
0: Yep.
6: Michael, if I could just add as yep. well, we gave out testing kits yesterday and we will be doing so for our staff as well today from 12 to 4 p.m. at our five transportation terminals.
0: We're glad to remind teachers uh, and any other school employees they can get those kits. Steve, Lori, thanks a million. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, up next, we're going to talk to two of the leading opinion makers in South Florida about the major events here in 2021 and take a look forward at 2022. At the end of the year, it is traditional to take a look back at the year just ended, pick out some major stories. And also to look forward at our collective or into our collective crystal ball at the year to come 2022. And today we are fortunate to be joined by two of the best journalists and commentators in South Florida, both old friends of this show. Nancy Ancrim is the editorial page editor of the Miami Herald. Steve Basquet holds down the same position at the Sun Sentinel. Nancy, Steve, wonderful to see you and thank you for your time today. Thank you. Happy very much. that's nancy uh uh, let me begin with you it's clear that covid 19 once again dominated uh the year 2021 it changed the way we live the way we work the way we entertain you know it had tremendous impact on our personal lives as well and thinking about 2022 you know we see the omicron variant and you kind of think to yourself boy this is groundhog day
7: Right, this is a deja vu all over again. Uh, COVID, something that we had hoped uh, would be over and done with because of the available uh, the availability of vaccines, is uh, now usher, We are now ushering in uh, 2022 with Omicron, which says to me that um, it will remain. It will be uh, an issue going forward, especially as people still struggle with long COVID. As long as Omicron continues to infect people who are uh, triple vaxed or double vaxed and boosted, however, um, experts are saying that this could peak in January and uh, and recede. And so, again, without a, without a real crystal ball, I think even if Omicron recedes, its effects will still be with us.
0: Yeah uh steve buskay uh, you spent several years covering the state legislature in tallahassee you know that whole world up there so well uh COVID policies in the state of florida of course have been driven by governor Ron DeSantis, who began i think in a a productive fashion by trying to get elderly people in the state aclf so nursing homes get people vaccinated, but for months now, he's just talked about um, not prevention, but treatment modalities like uh, monoclonal antibodies and so on. And uh, over the last week, uh, the governor has sort of been MIA. He hasn't said anything about what's going on. No, he hasn't,
4: and uh, that is a serious problem. Uh, You know, uh, what happened was DeSantis' legion of critics on social media uh, accused him of hiding, of being MIA. And then, of course, the story came out from the governor's office that he was helping his wife, Casey, with uh, cancer treatments. Um, And everyone uh, is is concerned and sympathetic uh, about the First Lady and wishes her a strong recovery. Um, However, especially during this kind of a serious... Of LETHAL HEALTH SCARE, THE GOVERNOR DOESN'T HAVE THE OPTION OF SORT OF uh, DISAPPEARING FOR SEVERAL DAYS IN A ROW. HE JUST DOESN'T. Uh, IT'S A 24-7 COMMITMENT. YOU AGREE TO BECOME GOVERNOR, YOU ARE GOVERNOR ALL THE TIME. HAVING SAID THAT, YOU KNOW, uh, DESANTIS IS RIDING HIGH AT THE MOMENT. Uh, WE KNOW THAT THE DEMOCRATS IN FLORIDA ARE IN A VERY DISPIRITED FRAME OF MIND. AND BOY, WE'VE GOT A LEGISLATIVE SESSION STARTING IN ABOUT A WEEK. They've got to take up redistricting. They want to pass abortion restrictions. And now you know uh, the pandemic is surging again as we turn the corner to a new year. Yeah, Nancy,
0: uh, I think it goes without saying we all sympathize with uh, Casey. uh, DeSantis hope that she recovers well fully. And you know, I, I just wish the governor's press office had issued a statement last week saying Uh, The governor will be out of pocket for a few days. He has some personal family matters to attend to. If they had said that, nobody would have been talking about why he wasn't seen, why he wasn't commenting. Uh, I mean, we just don't get much help from them unless you're Fox News, then you hear.
7: Right, I do. I do have to question. I do have to ask. Given the governor's history of how he has handled and mishandled COVID in this state i'm not sure that if he were to say something that he'd say something new that he'd say something like the leader he should be other than um uh saying we're open for business other than pushing treatment as you said earlier rather than vaccines uh officially he should be front and center here however I would not be expecting any kind of 180 from him. And so the fact that he has not said anything has uh, not rattled me as much.
0: No, I understand. Uh, Frankly, just speaking personally here, obviously, uh, the one thing the governor has not talked about almost ever is the huge number of Floridians who have died from COVID more exactly. than 62,000 people. I was waiting for a news conference where he began uh, by first saying, I want to express my deepest sympathy for the friends, family members, uh, who have lost a father, a son, a wife, a you know, a family member. You know, frankly, I, I have never heard him in recent months say
4: anything like that. Steve, have you? No. Uh- it it seemed to me that there was more attention focused. I think it was last whatever whenever it was last spring. It seemed like there was more attention and more interest when Rush Limbaugh passed away, than uh, <laughs> than when all these folks uh, throughout mm. our state have died from from COVID 19. Uh, you know, R- Ron DeSantis is the most polarizing political figure that I've covered in 30 years of covering state politics. He. He uh, has a way of, of, of just uh, forcing the antagonism to the surface. And part of this is the times in which we live. I get that. We yeah. all do. But um, the, 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 the messaging from his press shop uh the, the 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 little little things the thing that I saw the other night on channel 10's website where he was at a church in Kendall right and wouldn't stop to talk to your reporter about uh, the latest pandemic developments yeah he would not that's that's unacceptable you know that that should not be allowed to, to go on i i we all covered Rick Scott Charlie Crist Jeb Bush Lawton Childs each of these governors had serious crises uh, along the way and um they were they were there they were there um you know uh, because the people of this state desperately.
0: here's some video showing that appearance after the orange bowl game at the uh, miami baptist church and his staff kept uh, our reporter amy vateri away from the governor uh, you know not incidentally yeah we can lose the video not incidentally, I want to compliment both the Herald and the Sun Sentinel. You took down your paywalls whenever there was a story about COVID, and anybody who wanted to go on your website didn't have to be a digital subscriber to the papers and could get the information. So, uh, as the Aussies would say, good on you. That was a good Thank thing. Thank you.
7: Thank you. We are in the business of public service, especially at a time like this when uh, our health and well being really is at stake and in danger.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, hold on because we want to come back, talk about uh, Jalene Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein, Champlain Towers. A lot to talk about here. We'll be back in a minute. We are in the midst of a great discussion here with Steve Mosquet of the Sun Sentinel, Nancy Ancrum of the Miami Herald editorial page editors. Uh, Nancy and Steve, I think that there is no question. The biggest story, uh, in South Florida in 2021 was the collapse of the Champlain Tower South, a terrible tragedy. 98 souls lost their lives. And Nancy, I have to say, I think that the Miami Herald uh has done an outstanding job continues to report on what happened how it happened uh and your reporting and the sun sentinels will go on for a long time to come but what can we expect say the legislature to pass any kind of laws dealing with recertifications of buildings like the Champlain Tower South
7: Right, what we are hoping on our editorial board is that it takes a real statewide view, um, of course, with wiggle wiggle room for um, different communities buildings of different ages different locations inland versus on the water, but um, we have not seen the types of bills filed yet um that we think could really do a deep dive in how often inspections are done how um home uh homeowners associations handle their money spend their money or don't spend their money
0: so we are
7: uh waiting to see what does come out of this
0: yeah uh steve maske i mean it would seem they're going to be we know we had uh, uh, some legislators on this program over the last couple of weeks who have talked about introducing legislation that would re- require recertification of uh, condominiums, other tall, I guess taller than maybe 12 stories, uh, every 10 to 15 or maybe 20 years rather than 40 years. That certainly seems reasonable, doesn't it?
4: Yes, but it's. Uh, I- I'm skeptical as well. Uh, having watched uh, the legislature for a long time, um, The modus operandi is to put a Band-Aid on a serious problem, to patch together a politically acceptable compromise um, that will get them out of Tallahassee in 60 days. There's also the inescapable fact that that legislators in both parties, frankly, are very timid about alienating uh, condominium residents. Condominium owners are... Uh, a cohesive uh segment of the electorate and they vote uh, we know that and yeah. so that uh, they not they they not they not only vote
0: they have some of the most powerful lobbyists and law firms working for them who are talking to legislators and giving them money and it's a a, a
4: huge uh, force uh politically in florida yes they are and and uh before, long before the tragedy at the uh, Champlain Towers South, the one of the gravest dangers in high-rise condominium living in the state, everyone knows it, is the constant threat of fire. And so what has happened? What's happened is that there's been a refusal and an unwillingness by the legislature to force the retrofitting of these older high-rise condos that didn't have state-of-the-art sprinkler systems. And that is really... Uh, was about money more than anything else. And uh, uh, it's true that many people who live in condos, most people in condominiums are not super wealthy people. Uh, They've poured their retirement and their savings into a, you know, a dream retirement lifestyle in Galt Ocean Mile in Fort Lauderdale or Northeast Dade or wherever. And so, uh, uh, but the legislature has to take strong leadership on this issue and with the Michael, with the overlay of elections, tensions, redistricting, uh, they wanna pass abortion restrictions, I'm skeptical that this issue is gonna get the kind of attention that it really needs. Yeah. Uh, Nancy, uh,
0: if I may, let me also compliment you and the Herald and reporter Julie Brown and editors for following up on the Jeffrey Epstein story. Coverage of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial was tremendous. And she was, as we know this past week, found guilty, five of six charges. Uh, uh, I mean, this is one of the most fascinating and uh, disgusting stories that I can think of in all the years I've been in South Florida. And the Herald absolutely. reported it chapter and verse.
7: What, absolutely. What adds to the disgust at this story is how long it took to get to this point, right. to find justice for uh, these women. This this th- this could have been taken care of um, under the Alex Acosta uh, tenure when he was US attorney for the Southern District here. But that didn't happen. So Epstein himself was allowed to go on and on. Uh, I really have to commend the jury for Uh, being willing to come back after Christmas and also being willing to work through New Year's as they had uh, telegraphed to the judge. I think they took their time. Uh, It's clear they took their time. They wanted to get it right. And they did. So I commend the jury. I'm not sure I commend. I'm not sure um, uh, the justice system, the universe. I'm not sure. (laughs) But speaking personally, What's also disgusting. Yeah, there is some is justice.
0: With, I, I, I hear all,
7: you. Yeah, with all of the, the millionaire a name, A-list name, a names of men who flew on the Lolita Express to his private island. Yeah, Nancy, and, that's going to be,
0: I, I beg your pardon, the last word. Nancy Ancrum, Steve Busquet, great to speak with you. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks so much, Thank Michael. All right, we'll be right back. I want to take a moment to thank you for being with us today and throughout the year. We are privileged to have your company and your support. Lena and I wish you a happy, healthy and prosperous 2022. And as always, remember, stay informed, get involved. Have a great Sunday.